Welcome to the No Code SaaS podcast. We're on episode seven and I am joined today. I'm Glenn and I'm joined today with, by James. Hello, James. Hi there. Hi, how's it going? Yeah, good. Thanks. We don't have Kieran with us today. He is currently flying back from overseas, I believe. So he'll be probably midair or not quite sure where he is right at the moment. So uh, we've let him off today. So a little bit like the one you did with Kieran, we'll probably do quite a short one, a bit of an update on what's going on some industry news type stuff and uh, really just to, to keep the, the momentum going. And then hopefully when Kieran's back, we'll, we'll do another episode with him, a bit more of a full one. So a little bit about ourselves. Yep. My name's Glenn. I run the flow agency, but also a program called NoCo Kids, which is the, the sort of primary thing I talk about on here, but actually I have a number of things going on. One of them I'd like to talk about today and NoCo Kids is a program that works within schools in the school setting to actually teach kids all about no code before they even know what it is and definitely before they consider what their career options might be and, and moving into the workplace. So we're trying to get them nice and early. And James, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi there. So yeah, I'm James and I run a SaaS called UserLoop, which is an app for Shopify merchants that helps them collect customer feedback from every stage of the the customer journey in their store. Yep, so all built on Bubble. I also write a no-code SaaS uh, newsletter about building a SaaS with Bubble as well. So yeah, yeah, no, it's excited to be here again. I've seen some good compliments on your newsletter on Twitter just this past while, this past couple of weeks. So yeah, congrats on that one. I'm, I'm, I don't get to read them half as much as I want to, but I'm, I'm sure they're great quality, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is really good fun. I mean, I think they're often, you know, the topics that I cover in there are, are kind of problems or things that I've come across with building the app that week, really. So quite often it's like some technical thing that I struggled with and then I found a way around and I was like, oh, you know, oh, that's actually quite interesting. I'm going to write about that. So yeah, it's been super fun to kind of document the journey of building it from really from zero, really. It's been, I've been writing it for over a year, year and a half now. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fun. And is there, is there part of you that wishes you could go back and uh, share that same journey in bite-sized chunks as, as threads and, and other, other kind of means? Cause I know the whole building public movement has really taken off this past year. A lot more people are aware of it. Not just the indie dev community, but now the no code community as well. And thanks to people like KP, are you, yeah, would, if you could go back and do it again, would you think, actually, I'm going to put the same kind of content out there in other channels as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's definitely something I need to get better at is, is sharing, you know, the shorter form stuff on Twitter. I, mean, I did participate in the kind of event that Bubble ran for about three months where they asked a load of builders to do these daily posts about building their app. And I did do that. And it was really fun, actually. But now I've kind of got out, gotten a bit out of the habit of, of tweeting that, that smaller chunk kind of content. But yeah, I'd love to get to do that. And and the other thing I've is also on my list is to kind of compile all the newsletters into a book as well about just an overall how to build a SaaS business on Bubble, basically. Mm. So that's also on the to-do list so the the pile's getting quite big i was going to say our lists just get longer and longer they don't seem to, to you don't seem to get through it do you I'm, I'm a big one for for building public but I'm, i haven't got the discipline that i'd like about it about a year ago or more i put together a, a little micro SaaS demo product for part of the on deck no code fellowship and it was the demo weekend and i worked with mark bowley and we actually put together microbrave.com it's still there 
but we're not actively pushing it at all. And it's, it's, it's an interesting idea to actually help people get on board with building public. You know, where do you start? So we do it by showing examples and, you know, other, other tweets that people have done and the, the kind of thing that you can share, et cetera. So it's supposed to be like a, a way of engaging in it actively as opposed to just reading a document. And it could have been a really good idea, but we, we both had so many things going on that it's sort of parked and I, I think we will come back to it at some point, you know, but it's actually just figuring out how we bring that back into our mix and actually maybe relaunch that, but as a slightly different tool, I thought things like AI would be a really interesting thing to throw into that particular product, for example, now that that's really come of age again. Yeah. So anyway, build the public to one side. Let's do a bit of an update then James. So do you want to just do a user loop update? Should we start there? Yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a cu couple of developments, I guess. So one thing that I have started moving forward is building the SDK for Userloop to work on other platforms mm. than Shopify. So I have I, I decided to go ahead with that because I thought the work would be worth the investment from, you know, it has benefits for the Shopify for building surveys on Shopify as well as it does open up the door to work with any other e-commerce platform. So that's kind of a work in progress at the moment. I do have a, a developer helping me out with that, because it is another kind of coded part of the application that's going to be in JavaScript and talk to the main bubble app over API. So that's moving forward. Sales again are, yeah, it's, it's MRRs continuing to grow. I've done a couple of tactical features since the last update, things that customers have asked for, which have helped move the dial a bit. Some of the bigger deals that I was... Uh, quite excited about haven't come off yet and I think that's you know it's part of the more enterprise type sales process and some of those deals may not come off at all because mm. of you know it's things like ISO that I'm not that the company is not going to do I'm not going to go through those kind of certification processes that you know some of the bigger corporate clients do insist on but it's not something as an indie hacker I want to pay or go through to do those kind of certifications Ooh. right now because it just doesn't make sense for me so that's been an interesting kind of development but 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 the mrr continues to grow with people signing up and buying through the software itself so you know it, it while it is you know tricky to sell these bigger deals they are the obviously financially is they they are very exciting but you know it has also turned out you know maybe is that is a bit of a distraction as well because you know it is possible to to purchase the app through the app with a credit card and these bigger deals have you know more demands around terms and conditions and all these other things that are do do take your time up so it's an interesting one i'm going to continue pursuing it and see how it goes over the next few weeks but yeah really the prime focus is on driving subscriptions in the main application itself so on my to-do list is to really improve that onboarding process is the next thing i really want to improve around the whole app onboarding flow because i haven't really touched that in six months so that's that's on my list so great yeah it'd be, be great to hear how, how you've been getting on as well. yeah absolutely so good to hear by the way that that you're seeing both of those sides of your business and they are distinct but the same and how you would approach one over the other and it's a learning progress and you're not you're not going to learn that overnight it's not going to happen overnight i think that's a great attitude just to have so yeah good one so for us what we've do, what we've been doing now first of all we max and i talking about no code kids and the subscription model that we have for program we realized that we need to keep it as simple as possible so one of the things that we decided was we'll charge a flat fee for a yearly subscription 
So the year being the school year, but you know, it's a year anyway. And uh, we've sort of settled on the, around the 300 pounds mark for UK customers at the moment, $300 for <laughs> customers, which we'll touch on. Remind me about that one later on. And yeah, just to, just to make it as simple as possible for the schools, as much as anything else, and then have a cap on the number of students that could go through the program based on that amount of money that they spend. As long as we've got the cap there, you know, we cover ourselves, but we're also heading towards this model where it's as self-service as possible. So we're getting involved as little as possible, not because we don't want to get involved, but we're kind of not needed. As long as our material content's good enough, we don't need to be there. We're just kind of getting in the way, but we still like this idea still of, of sort of onboarding people a little bit white glove service at the beginning. We like to do the sort of graduation at the end. So we want to try and do that as much as possible as well. But then ultimately just have as many go through as possible. But, but having said that, we still want to be able to divide up groups into cohorts. So we could be talking 10 to 15 is a good number per cohort to go through. And that's really more of an organizational kind of thing. And we're willing to work with the schools on that one. So one of the, the second thing that we've been then doing is looking at how does the system that we have in place support structurally how we actually want to manage as users, cohorts course versions, all kinds of things like that. So assessing that was a really interesting thing to do at the same time as one of the, the software platforms that I mentioned last week, I think Wiz V2 is now out and I've got access and it's as awesome as we thought it would be. So it means that any kind of structure of the database and, and processes that we want to build, we can build, and we just need to build those interfaces on top of a, a Webflow site. So that's underway. I've just, just started it literally the past couple of days. And again, a little bit of a build in public type of activity, I guess, is I've used this really interesting platform called Zip Message, and it allows you to actually kind of add videos to a thread. And if you share that, that video thread with the internet, with the people, which is what I've done and you allow it, people can actually chime in. So, you know, they can watch the video, say their bit about it, even upload their own video. I can then, you know, add another one and it can become a little bit conversational, which is this really nice asynchronous, mostly video format I'm going for. So I've called it like a video diary and I'm just going to just do five minute videos at a go. So I'm just going to build a little feature or uh, dive into how the platform works because it's so new. We've, we've only got a handful of people that really have access to this product at the moment, but a lot of people will be onboarded over the months ahead. So. I think one of the responsibilities we have in, in our community is to, to pass on knowledge and to pay it forward and, and actually just help the next people that come along. Cause plenty of people have done that for me. I want to be able to do it the same for other community members. So I launched that today, just a little video diary today, just going over how I'm setting up this new project. And it was nice to revisit the Xano based database that I had created more than a year ago, which didn't make it into the MVP because it was too involved, but now that we're through those early stages, we're ready to build the product that we kind of wanted to build in the first place. So, so yeah, that's, that's a really interesting part of that. Webflow has also got its own stuff coming out. So Webflow logic is in the process of launching. They're demoing it this week to everybody on YouTube. Um, you know, features are coming out from Webflow that could do some of the stuff that, that WISD does, but it's just not at that stage yet where it can do everything that we want it to do. So we're probably going to go with this WISD plus Webflow approach for this iteration. 
And then who knows, in six months or a year's time, we'll come back and, and see everything else that Webflow has to offer. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. I'm happy to be building again, building on this platform again, rather than just thinking about content and sales and subscriptions and things actually to be doing some building. So that's, that's a nice feeling. And we've been waiting for this, this platform to launch. So. No, it sounds super exciting. And so is it, is, was it zip message? Is, so is that an API or what, what, it, what is that service that you're using for that? So it, it's just a, a web UI. You just go to the website, you log into the account, just they're, they're a SaaS, you know, and you pay your money for the tier that you want. And you can just then, yeah, as I say, just upload recordings or record, you know, how these things are. You can record the browser, record the uh, screen and your mic and your face and whatever you just same as loom, but because it's all built into this threaded type of approach, it, it felt like it could encourage engagement, you know, and encourage people to sort of comment and even upload their own videos. So for example, I might say in a video, I've been playing with this particular feature, not quite sure that I've got it working the way I thought it would work. And another user in the community might watch that and go, oh, I know how that works and, and just upload their own video, which is a minute long and corrects me, or maybe even a WISD team member themselves might hop on and actually upload the, the how-to and solve it for us. So I think it's just a, a really interesting idea, really. I, I mean, I don't know whether that's necessarily what Zip Message is intending their platform to be used for, but at the same time, I think they're, they're very open to, for it to be used for, for anything like this, really. So yeah, that's a good excuse to use a, a fun tool to, to actually keep me interested in generating short form videos for Twitter and, and so on, you know, and what I also said in the first video is this could be a, a little resource that I include in the NoCo Kids program. So if kids are interested, I can say, look, here's a, here's a diary I did as I was product that you're actually now using a bit meta, but go, yeah. and, go and have a look at the process I went through and, you know, it might, might spark something for you or, or, or at least help you learn, learn WISD if you're, if you're getting into web app development and you, you know, beyond Webflow. So it's just, it, things are opening up, you know, James, I think the Webflow ecosystem is very vibrant at the minute. We've got FinSuite doing a huge amount. They own WISD now. Client first is their approach to, to building, which is a, is being adopted widely now. Um, we have Relume library, which is built on the client first foundations and they build components that you can pretty much just copy and paste into your project. So it's really rapid to build these things now. And I think that's obviously one of the, the main parts of no coding, right? It's just got to be fast and whether you're testing an idea or you've got very little time or very little money, you've, you've got to get this stuff out there quickly. So it, it definitely is all of those things. So yeah, pretty exciting. Awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've been seeing a lot more and more and more about a Webflow and the Webflow logic side of things popping yeah. up. So it seems like a lot of people are very excited about it. So I'm going to be, you know, it'd be great to see that finally launch and, you know, mm. see, I'm going to look forward to watching all of that information about it because it looks really good. Absolutely. And it was interesting you touched on Xano as well, which no, no code backend, because that is something I've been checking out as well over the last couple of weeks, just as I'm starting to kind of think about how much data my app is storing in bubble. Mm. And is that the right way to store such large amounts of data? Because probably getting up towards over a million rows in some tables. And at that point, I'm now starting to see slowdowns in part of the parts of the app that are more data intensive. So 
I definitely have been checking out Xano and Superbase and really st just starting to think, you know, if I wasn't using Bubble as my main data store, what would be the most sensible thing to use? And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear any of your thoughts about Xano. I've, I've really not used it at all. I've looked at the marketing site and it looks pretty impressive, but yeah, I don't know if uh, it'd be great to hear if you've had any experience. We, we could do a whole episode of this, honestly. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Xano. I think they've been really true to their mission right from the get-go. They haven't wavered. They set out to be the no-code backend, which is their Twitter handle rather than Xano. I think they're achieving it and, it, and it's had slower uptake than things like Airtable and the no-code community because it's more complicated. There's a steeper learning curve, but as I say to people that I encourage to, to have a look at it, once you get past that, that steep bit of the learning curve, it, it then pays it, pays it back in droves. You know, it, it, the investment is, is definitely worth it. And it's for so many reasons, James, I think you, so, so you've already figured out numbers of records, you know, have, have you got the ability to have pretty much unlimited records if you need them? What about things like slow down because of the sheer volume of records? Should a database slow down just because of that? Well, obviously it can because it's filling up as such, but in modern databases with architecture, there are ways around big data sets that actually help you, even as a no-coder, work with, work with them. So Xano's most recent feature, which was released about a couple of weeks ago, so we're in September now, is this thing called Stream. And it's, it's not a new technology per se, but they've brought it into their feature set. And it allows you to actually loop through, you know, a large data set and, and take action on each of those records, whatever it is that you want to do without there being that sort of pagination and in, in slowdown that, that you're perhaps used to with other databases. So just things like that. And the fact that they're bringing those in, that they're appreciating that, that people using their backend, no coders included are really needing that now, you know, things have grown and we're past those early stages of, of early product design and, and release. And, and like you have million, a million records. I mean, can you have imagined even a year ago that you'd have a million records in your bubble day for No, certainly not. And, you know, I think that's, you know, what I've been looking into with some of these no code kind of backend databases or just these third party databases is, is their ability to do certain things like that I've discovered are not as performant as they could be on bubble even with trying to do as much optimization so things like working out analytics and doing counts if you, mm. you know how how many surveys said xyz all these kind of analytical functions once you start getting into very very high numbers of data they are getting quite slow i mean one one of the things that is is kind of a deal breaker for me with switching to one of these no code backends is need the ability to generate CSV files of the data to, to export, which at the moment mm. is all done with Eli Beachy's fantastic CSV plugin for Bubble, which has made it all possible. But that's also something that I'm bearing in mind, because if I do move wholesale all of the, the actual uh, data to be stored somewhere else, to be able to do those kind of operations like exporting CSVs and mm. all this other kind of stuff, it does factor into it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting topic. So it's maybe one we could do a whole episode on it in future, because mm. I'm certainly going to be doing more research into it because, um, it's going to have to be something that I think I'm going to have to look at if the, you know, the rate of, of data keeps growing month over month as it is, 
then yeah. I'm going to have to find some other solution for It's a bit storage. like that t-shirt, James. You know, I, I came for the increased data storage capacity, but stayed for everything else that Zano has to offer. I mean, it's got so much going on in there that even Zano users don't know about, and they sort of stumble across it. We stumble across it in the community. Things like the, the caching layer, for example, you know, the fact that it's got Redis built in, you know, industry strong and platform built into the, the stack where you've got that instant caching layer available to you just by flicking a switch. You know, it's, it's that kind of stuff, which is really powerful. The fact that it's an API first design. So if you want to get access to your data, regardless of where it is that you need to, to pull it into, it's all there, all the, all the API design is available to you and any manipulation you need to do of that data in that API endpoint and what they call their function stack is totally available to you. And I've been, I've been working with somebody just this week. He's, he's new to, to no code, but he's been building the most complex function stack, you know, because he's got a lot of calculation to do on that data. It's, uh, it's intensive, but he's, he's actually managing to do it just within Xamarin. He doesn't need programming code or you know, worse front-end code to try and actually manipulate the data, do it all at the back end and then just deliver it down the, the pipeline, you know, as a, as a, a JSON data. So, um, yeah, I'd love to talk more about that in a time. It's really interesting. I encourage you to, to, to look at, there's a, there's a bubble versus Xano data store demo that one of the Xano team put together. And it wasn't meant to be, look, we want to steal people away from bubble. It was designed to say, look, if you're in this situation where Bubble is supporting you really well, but it's, it's maybe not able to do this thing for you, you do have options, but, and that, mm -hmm. and that's all that, so they're working very closely with Bubble and all the other sort of tool builders out there because they obviously want to get as, as many customers as they can across all these different platforms, but they're very gentle in that, in that process They're they're not looking to, you know, step on anybody's toes. So yeah, great no, team. Sounds awesome. And I, I'll, I'll definitely look into that more. I mean, one, one quick question I did have about it, you mm. might know is how the connection between bubble and Xano works. Is that through a plugin or is it through the API connector or how have you seen that work? Having just seen the videos, cause I've not done it myself cause I'm not a bubbler as you know, but I think it's just all via the APIs. So you've got the Xano, your data structure itself, which you can then build whatever APIs you want, the CRUD APIs plus, plus anything else you can think of that you design. And then, and then they, they're custom endpoints that are just given to you easily. But then you've also got the Xano's built-in authentic tools as well. So you've got those auth endpoints. And what's really interesting about the way Xano does this is it says, look, we're not going to we're not going to force you to use sort of our own hand-rolled version of authentication. You can use Google or you can use Apple, which is their recent one they, they've just launched, or you can use, you know, whatever else. And they, they, they integrate those authentication methods into their platform. So they're trying to be as agnostic and as supportive as possible, I think, to the, to the community, especially if you're building mobile apps and you, you do want to have Google and Apple, you know, logins and things like that. It, you know, they, they, they work with the Apple developer platform and, you know, Google platform and just, just actually just as if you were doing it with code, but they're doing it all for you and giving you those, those add-ons as part of having an account with them. You know, it doesn't even cost you anything more to, to get access to those. It's just all, all included as soon as it's, 
as soon as it's built and released. So really, really powerful stuff. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big, big advocate, big fan. I always, ha always have been right from the beginning. And that comes from somebody who uses Airtable a lot, you know, but the, as I think I said before, there's a point at which you kind of need to move over to a, a more uh, yeah, performance and, and fully fledged backend system. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to, and I'm excited to, to look into this a bit more. So maybe we can come back to that in a future episode. Calling back to something else I think you mentioned earlier on, because I know this has been a topic for me over the last month or so was the, the dollar to pound mm. conversion. So have you made any changes to your pricing plans with, with, with everything that's been going on with that? No, not as such. I mean, very aware of it. And I was very interested to follow your conversation with, with others on Twitter. And we had an internal conversation around it, just trying to help each other really like capitalize, capitalize, maybe the wrong word, trying to negotiate the, the situation we're in, in the UK. And yeah, so just to, just to reiterate that a little bit then James, what, what you had identified through your own business dealings is Starlink, uh, Starling, not Starlink, Starling <laughs> bank offers a US dollar account effectively right and it all hangs off the same card that you effectively use to pay for things so we were having this discussion around well we're paying perhaps a lot of money out in dollars to to, to SaaS providers that we use and that's part of our business and our costs why don't we just try and keep that money in dollars and then pay that back out in dollars so that was the first part of that wasn't it and you said that, that was actually really straightforward Yes, yeah, so it's surprisingly straightforward. So yeah, I was getting kind of hit on both sides because all my income for the app comes in in dollars and was being converted to pounds and pretty much all my outgoings are in dollars to all the different SaaS to platforms I use. So the conversion just wasn't making sense anymore. So yeah, I was very super impressed with Starlings, a US dollar account basically set that up and now I've switched all my income to use the US bank details, all the, the money comes in in dollars and it goes out to all the services in dollars as well. So effectively the whole company is now running on USD all the time. Like there's almost nothing that I need to pay for in pounds. So that's been just super helpful because it was getting a bit unmanageable with, you know, it just doesn't start to stack up when mm. the cost of sending emails or running XYZ has gone up 20, 30% in a month. So that is definitely an option that's out there and is super easy to set up. Um, it also seems to integrate great with I'm using free agent as my accounting system and it just instantly reconciles the dollars back to pounds for like accounting purposes. But it's kind of, that's the only reason it does it. But yeah, it seems to work very, very smoothly. I was kind of pleasantly surprised because I, I thought uh, starting to run the whole company in dollars would have consequences, but a lot of it just seems to be taken care of through Starling and with the accounting software as well. So the assumption, I think before we were having these conversations was that we would need to have some kind of US company or presence or something set up over there, at least, which would actually enable this to happen. And this was a this was something new to me that it was that easy, you know, that you can keep your business as a UK business. Effectively, it's a UK bank account, but you're using open banking. It's linking in, as you say, to all of the, 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 the major accounting software platforms in the UK. And you don't want to change that. That's a, that's, a, that's a hard thing to change just to try and sort of serve your US market, whether it's customers or suppliers. So just, just to be able to do that, I think is, is fantastic. And 
And it's also worth noting, I think, that you have experience with Starling Bank, but there are others that also do this, right? And the only thing that I read on Starling's website, for example, is that it needs to be a limited company. So you can't do that as a sole trader. They're, they're very clear about that. It's just a little bit hidden. So before people will rush off and try and do this, you know, that's that's a, a prerequisite. But it's, um, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just a matter of time until sole traders who are, who are the early stage company owners getting going maybe they'll be supported as well in time but absolutely and i think the other big platform that is worth looking at that a lot of other people use is is transfer wise or wise mm -hmm. with their borderless bank account it's very very similar and i think you can have that as an individual or a company so that's the other one to to kind of check out because it's it's very very similar i think to what starling's doing and it yeah certainly makes dealing with all of this a lot easier. I mean, it is one of the interesting things about the Shopify platform as an app developer, because you have all these customers all over the world and they all pay for the software in dollars. So it is, you know, it's that you're not, even though there's people paying from South Africa, Australia, Germany, France, everyone pays in dollars. So it is, it is quite interesting and it's, yeah, it has made sense for me to just switch over to doing everything in dollars really. Great stuff. That's really good advice. And thanks for bringing that up. I, it's not the, the thing that we'd probably cover very often on, no. on this series, but it, it's all part of running a, a SaaS business, right? And mm -hmm. whether it's no code SaaS or not, but the other thing that came up literally just two hours ago, three hours ago, as I was thinking about tonight's episode and recording with you was a tweet I saw from Stripe and how they're definitely jumping on the the no code label the tag of no code and now they're saying their custom portal is you know even more no code atized and if you're looking to do subscription manage self-serve subscription management through the customer portal via stripe connect or otherwise you know that's all built into the platform so you just activate a link that link goes into the you know your dashboard for the customer they click on the link and they're taken off to the to the stripe self-serve type of subscription management. So I think it's, it's really hotting up this whole space. You know, there are some great tools out there outside of the platforms that we use all the time that, that, that can help you with subscription management and memberships and, and all of this kind of stuff. And it, it's, it could be a very confusing space. Whenever you talk to anybody in the early stages, they, there's a lot of confusion. It's like, where do I start? What, what's the difference between Stripe and Paddle? Why would I go here? Why would I go there? And there's a, there's almost like a fear of, of, am I going to make the wrong decision? If I make the wrong decision and I go down this route and I get like locked into it and it's going to be a nightmare and it's, it's quite debilitating, I think for some people, me included. I mean, like we've all been through it and in the end you kind of make a decision and say, look, I'm just going to go with Stripe. And I know Kieran's currently looking at paddle for, for quite a few things. And, you know, she's weighing up both of those platforms. There is no right and wrong, right? I mean, in your experience too, how, how do you choose ultimately which route you go down? Yeah, no, it, it's, it's either it, it for, for, for every kind of SaaS business, there's a different right answer. So it's, I think the best thing you can do is really ed just educate yourself about the differences between all those different payment platforms and kind of work out which one is right for you. But mm. I thought it was really good to see using that no code terminology. I'd seen, they have been using it more and more over recent months. I think they also spoke about it a bit with their update to their checkout API a while back. And now with their payment portal, they're 
were using it a lot in the tweets that they were putting out about it. So it is it's obviously, you know, to have big, you know, great big players like that jump in and use that kind of terminology, even though, you know, some of us, it, it isn't always the best terminology for what, what it is, no code, but it's it's great to have, you know, established market players kind of jump in and support mm. the whole movement, really. And my take on that is that what they're saying is, even though you may have an integration already, the Stripe integration already in the platform you're using, let's say, let's say Webflow, for example. So Webflow has, you know, Webflow e-commerce and you could just very easily hook up your Stripe account to that. The, the, the sort of stipulation there then though, is that you're using that integration that they're providing you to use their set of e-commerce features on that Webflow website. What Stripe's doing, I think is coming along and saying, you don't have to do that. You know, if you want to actually build your own no code based workflow and set of features, we're giving you these no code tools now to actually roll it yourself, roll it your yeah. own. You can bypass these sort of built-in integrations. The only thing I would say to people tempted by that is just to watch out for the terms of uh, terms of conditions that you're of the suppliers that you're working with or the tools that you've bought into, because they may or may not actually allow you to do that. So for example, WIST is going to be rolling out its own set of integration features in due course, but it will be against the, the terms if you actually tried to use directly one of these Stripe portal type solutions. So if you're going to use their, their web app builder, you need to use their their sort of stripe features built in so just watch out for that one for anybody getting excited but uh, other than that you know you you're good to go i think it's we should all be exploring this and comparing notes i think yeah. as much as possible definitely it's great to see mm. so anything else we need to cover tonight james so without kieran here we we can, we can cut this quite short i think but is there anything burning that you wanted to bring up before we no, I mean, I think for me, that was a good, that's a good kind of view, really. But yeah, certainly for, for the next episode, I hope to have made a lot of progress on the app onboarding uh, and personas and all of that for, for the applications. I hopefully really improve that. That's kind of my key goal to next time. So it'd be good to dive into that a bit more. Try and hold you to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From, my, from my side, I definitely want to get this new WISD V2 app built for no-code kids. I don't think it will be completely built within in a week or two. But it's one of those work in progress type things that will go on mm -hmm. in the background. It's a brand new project. It doesn't affect the, the live site or anything like that. And yeah, I'll, I'll be sharing it all on Twitter for those who are interested in following along. Okay. Well, thanks, James. We'll meet up again next week or the week after. And yeah, really appreciate you coming along tonight. Thanks everybody to listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>